Four score and seven years ago. Everything. Everything, Lincoln. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Everything. Everything. Everything, Lincoln. With malice toward none, with charity for all. Everything. Everything. Everything, Lincoln. The Everything Lincoln Podcast. If I were Two-Faced, would I be wearing this one? Today is February 12th. Happy birthday, Mr. Lincoln. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Everything Lincoln Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Gentry, and I'm also the webmaster of EverythingLincoln.com, which I invite you to visit. Of course, on this day in 1809, Abraham Lincoln was born. Other famous people born in 1809 include Alfred Lord Tennyson, Charles Darwin, Oliver Wendell Holmes, and Edgar Allan Poe. Other people born in February include my husband and, of course, George Washington. Now, did you know that it's George Washington's birthday and his alone that we celebrate on what is now commonly called President's Day? And contrary to popular opinion, the federal holiday celebrated on the third Monday of February has nothing at all to do with Abraham Lincoln. That's right. February 12th, Lincoln's birthday, was a legal holiday in many states, including my home state of California, but it never was a federal holiday. The Lincoln Log Cabin Almanac, a little booklet that I really love, was compiled by R. Gerald McMurtry in 1940, and at that time it says, In addition to the District of Columbia, the following states, quote, have by legislative enactment set apart Lincoln's birthday as a legal holiday, and it names these states. California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, and New Mexico, North Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, Washington, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Now, of course, those of you who are paying attention to the 1940 publication date would note that Alaska was then a U.S. territory, and this almanac notes that, saying that it, too, observes Lincoln's birthday as a legal holiday. And it also notes that Massachusetts observes the day by proclamation of the governor. Washington's birthday, on the other hand, is a federal holiday. Now, it was formally celebrated on the anniversary of his birthday, which, of course, is February 22nd, But the Uniform Holidays Bill, or H.R. 15951, of 1968 changed the holiday calendar so that many federal holidays, including Washington's birthday, fell on a Monday. Now that act went into effect in 1971, and it moved Washington's birthday to the third Monday in February. Now, you'll read on many websites that President Nixon issued a proclamation in 1971 changing the name of the holiday to, quote, President's Day. Now, someone reads it on one person's website, and then they copy that content onto their own website, and so on. And this myth has just perpetuated across the web. But I challenge you to find the source for this so-called proclamation. It doesn't exist. The truth is that Nixon issued Executive Order 11582 on February 11, 1971, And that executive order defines the observance of holidays by government agencies, effective January 1st of that same year. The term President's Day is not used at all. Rather, the third Monday of February is called Washington's Birthday. 
Now, since that time, of course, Columbus Day and Martin Luther King Jr. Day have become federal holidays. And incidentally, when MLK Day came into effect, it effectively bumped Lincoln's birthday from many state holiday calendars. Anyway, today, Title V, Subchapter 6103 of the United States Code names the following legal public holidays. New Year's Day, birthday of Martin Luther King Jr., Washington's birthday, which is the third Monday in February, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Labor Day, Columbus Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving Day, and Christmas Day. And January 20th of each fourth year after 1965 is Inauguration Day, also a federal holiday for purposes of payroll and that sort of thing relative to the work week of federal employees. So then where did the term President's Day actually come from? Well, it basically was a convenient way for calendar makers to acknowledge the February birthdays of both Lincoln and Washington. Now, commercial enterprises, specifically retailers, then marketed the heck out of the term, marking down fabulous items for the now famous President's Day sales across America. All right. Well, since we've established the fact that the three-day weekend we're about to enjoy is, in fact, set aside to honor the birthday of the first president of this country, let us now consider the birth of our 16th president, Mr. Lincoln. Of course, you know that Abraham Lincoln was the son of Thomas Lincoln and Nancy Hanks Lincoln. Now, they married on June 12, 1806, and had a daughter about a year later, whom they named Sarah. Now, the Lincoln Log Cabin Almanac notes that the weather on Sunday, February 12, 1809, though undoubtedly cold in Hardin County, Kentucky, the weather was not abnormally cold. Court records, it says, reveal that on Monday, February 13th, the Hardin County Court convened as usual. According to a 1909 book edited by Robert Haven Schaufler entitled Lincoln's Birthday, which, by the way, has nothing much at all to do with Lincoln's birthday, Lincoln had the following thing to say about himself. Now, the compiler of the Dictionary of Congress states that while preparing that work for publication in 1858, which of course was the year that set Abraham Lincoln on the course to national prominence through the Lincoln-Douglas debates, anyway, uh, he sent a, this compiler sent to Mr. Lincoln the usual request for a sketch of his life and received the following reply, and I quote, Born February 12, 1809, in Hardin County, Kentucky. Education, defective. Profession, a lawyer. Have been a captain of volunteers in Black Hawk War. Postmaster at a very small office. Four times a member of the Illinois legislature and was a member of the lower house of Congress. Yours, etc., A. Lincoln. Now, that same book notes that the following autobiography was written by Mr. Lincoln's own hand at the request of J.W. Fell of Springfield, Illinois, on December 20, 1859. In the note which accompanied it, the writer says, quote, Herewith is a little sketch as you requested. There is not much of it, for the reason, I suppose, that there is not much of me. Of course, that writer, none other than Abraham Lincoln. And he says, I was born February 12, 1809, in Hardin County, Kentucky. My parents were both born in Virginia, of undistinguished families, second families, perhaps, I should say. My mother, who died in my tenth year, was of a family of the name of Hanks, some of whom now reside in Adams County and others in Mason County, Illinois. My paternal grandfather, Abraham Lincoln, emigrated from Rockingham County, Virginia, to Kentucky about 1781 or 1782, where, or a year or two later, he was killed by Indians, not in battle, but by stealth, 
when he was laboring to open a farm in the forest. His ancestors, who were Quakers, went to Virginia from Berks County, Pennsylvania. An effort to identify them with the New England family of the same name ended in nothing more definitive than the similarity of Christian names in both families, such as Enoch, Levi, Mordecai, Solomon, Abraham, and the like. My father, at the death of his father, was but six years of age and grew up literally without any education. He removed from Kentucky to what is now Spencer County, Indiana, in my eighth year. We reached our new home about the time the state came into the Union. It was a wild region with many bears and other wild animals still in the woods. There I grew up. There were some schools, so-called, but no qualification was ever required of a teacher beyond reading, writing, and ciphering to the rule of three. If a straggler, supposed to understand Latin, happened to sojourn in the neighborhood, he was looked upon as a wizard. There was absolutely nothing to excite ambition for education. Of course, when I came of age, I did not know much. Still, somehow I could read, write, and cipher to the rule of three, but that was all. I have not been schooled since. The little advance I now have upon this store of education I have picked up from time to time under the pressure of necessity. I was raised to farm work, at which I continued till I was 22. At 21, I came to Illinois and passed the first year in Macon County. Then I got to New Salem, at that time in Sagamon, now Menard County, where I remained a year as a sort of clerk in a store. Then came the Black Hawk War, and I was elected a captain of volunteers, a success which gave me more pleasure than any I have had since. I went into the campaign, was elected, ran for the legislature the same year, 1832, and was beaten, the only time I have ever been beaten by the people. The next and three succeeding biennial elections, I was elected to the legislature. I was not a candidate afterward. During the legislative period, I had studied law and removed to Springfield to practice it. In 1846, I was elected to the lower house of Congress, was not a candidate for re-election. From 1849 to 1854, both inclusive, practiced law more assiduously than ever before. Always a Whig in politics, and generally on the Whig electoral ticket, making active canvases. I was losing interest in politics when the repeal of the Missouri Compromise aroused me again. What I have done since then is pretty well known. If any personal description of me is thought desirable, it may be said I am in height six feet four inches, nearly, lean in flesh, weighing on average 180 pounds, dark complexion with coarse black hair and gray eyes, no other marks or brands recollected. Yours very truly, A. Lincoln. From the 1885 book edited by Alan Thorndike Rice, entitled Reminiscences of Abraham Lincoln by Distinguished Men of His Time, I read you the following account by Thomas Hicks. When the news of Mr. Lincoln's nomination reached the city of New York, a leading publishing house engaged me to go to Springfield to paint a portrait of him, a lithograph of which was to be used in the upcoming campaign. When the portrait was ready for transportation, I went to say goodbye and to thank Mr. Lincoln for his kindness in giving to me so much of his time. He said, I have been interested in the painting, and I appreciate the desire of my Eastern friends to have my portrait, and I am glad that you were selected to make the likeness, as it gives great satisfaction. Thanking him for his kind words, I then said, Mr. Lincoln, you are about to be the next President of the United States, and the people will want a picture of your birthplace. If you will tell me where it is, we will not trouble you again about it, handing him at the same time a small memorandum book. 
He took the little book, and while holding it in his hand, an expression came on his face for half a moment which I had not seen there before. It was a puzzled, melancholy sort of shadow that had settled on his rugged features, and his eyes had an inexpressible sadness in them with a faraway look, as if they were searching for something they had seen long, long years ago. Then, as quickly as it came, that expression vanished, and with a pencil he wrote afterward in the little book. In The Story Life of Lincoln, a 1908 biography composed of 500 stories told by Abraham Lincoln and his friends, editor Wayne Whipple quotes the words Lincoln wrote for Hicks from The True Abraham Lincoln by William Ellroy Curtis. Quote, I was born February 12, 1809, in then Hardin County, Kentucky, at a point within the now county of LaRue, a mile or a mile and a half from where Hodgins Mill now is. My parents being dead, and my own memory not serving, I know no means of identifying the precise locality. It was on Nolan Creek. June 14, 1860, A. Lincoln. Roy P. Basler, the editor of The Collected Works of Abraham Lincoln, notes that Abraham Lincoln's birthplace is approximately three miles south of present-day Hodgenville on the Nolan River in Kentucky. Well, I know I've done a lot of reading, so I'll end this Lincoln birthday episode by again reading from The Story Life of Lincoln, in which Whipple quotes from Lincoln's Boyhood by Eleanor Atkinson in the American Magazine, Volume 65, February of 1908. It's entitled, Cousin Dennis Hanks Tells About Nancy's Boy Baby. Now, I'll apologize ahead of time for any stumbling or mumbling I might soon do. The text itself is written in a practically phonetic style, the way in which poorly educated Dennis Hanks would probably have spoken. I profess to have no acting ability, so here it goes. Tom and Nancy lived on a farm about two miles from us when Abe was born. I recollect Tom coming over to our house one cold morning in February and saying kind of slow, Nancy's got a boy baby. Mother got flustered and hurried up her work to go over to look at the little feller, but I didn't have nothing to wait for, so I cut and run up the whole two miles to see my new cousin. You bet I was tickled to death. Babies wasn't as common as blackberries in the woods of Kentucky. Mother come over and washed him and put a yeller flannel petticoat on him and cooked some dried berries with wild honey for Nancy and slicked things up and went home. And that's all the nussin' either of em got. I rolled up in a bar skin and slept by the fireplace that night so I could see the little feller when he cried and Tom had to get up and tend to him. Nancy let me hold him pretty soon. Folks often ask me if Abe was a good-looking baby. Well, now, he looked just like any other baby at first, like red cherry pulp squeezed dry. And it didn't improve none as he growed older. Abe never was much for looks. I recollect how Tom joked about Abe's long legs when he was toddling round the cabin. He growed out of his clothes faster than Nancy could make them. But he was mighty good company, solemn as a papoose, but interested in everything, and he always did have fits of cutting up. I've seen him when he was a little feller, sitting on a stool, staring at a visitor. All of a sudden he'd bust out laughing, fit to kill. If he told us what he was laughing at, half the time we couldn't see no joke. Abe never give Nancy no trouble after he could walk, except to keep him in clothes. Much of the time we went barefoot. Ever wear a wet buckskin glove? Them moccasins wasn't no protection against the wet. 
Birch bark with hickory bark soles strapped on over our yarn socks, beat buckskin all holler for snow. Abe and me got pretty handy contriving things that way. And Abe was right out in the woods, out as soon as he was weaned, fishing in the creek, setting traps for rabbits and muskrats, going on coon hunts with Tom and me and the dogs, follering up bees to find bee trees, and draping corn for his pappy. Mighty interesting life for a boy, but there was a good many chances he wouldn't live to grow up. <laughs> right, I made it through that. Well, Dennis, I'm sure glad good old Abe got all growed up. Otherwise, I wouldn't have much to say in episode two. Stay tuned. The Everything Lincoln Podcast is copyright 2005 by Renee Gentry von Bergen. All rights reserved. No part of this podcast production, including show notes, can be copied, reproduced, or transmitted without the express written consent of the author. This has been a production of Alta Omnimedia.